0: I remember when I was a kid, I went to a wedding and all of a sudden the pastor says at the wedding, stand up and say the Lord's Prayer. And I thought, what is the Lord's Prayer? And all of a sudden everybody stands up and in unison they start praying this prayer and I'm in awe, I'm thinking, what is going on? I get our wedding program, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, it's not in there. And then I was looking on the screens and it wasn't in there and I kept thinking, how do all of these people know this supposed lord's prayer i I was i was shocked still didn't learn it at the time and then went to another wedding a couple weeks later and again the pastor said hey stand up and say the lord's prayer and i didn't know it but i started to mumble the word so i looked like i knew it because i didn't want to be that only person that knew it So when they started to say, our father, I was like, our father, and I, I was mumbling the whole time because I didn't want to look like the only one that didn't know the Lord's Prayer. Now, thankfully, along the way, I finally learned the prayer. And whether I was at a game and we said it before the game or at a wedding or a funeral at a service, I learned to say the Lord's Prayer. And I'm assuming many of you probably know the Lord's Prayer as well. But when's the last time you said the Lord's Prayer and you meant what you said? You just didn't repeat it at a wedding or a funeral, but when you were
1: saying it, it meant something to you. That's right. Sometimes we just say it without even realizing what it means. And we don't want that to happen. And Jesus didn't want that to happen for the disciples. Uh, In fact, they, they needed to really understand what it meant. And so do we, that's why we're doing this series. And uh, so the context here is the disciples have just asked Jesus, teach us to pray Lord. And this is Jesus response found in Luke chapter 11, verse two. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, how be your name? And so on and so forth. The the question though then may come when, when he says, when you pray, he's assuming that we are going to pray, but he says, when you pray, say. And then he gives the word. So the question is, are those the exact words that we're always supposed to say? Do we only pray in this specific way that Jesus is giving here? I don't think we have to pray exactly in that way all the time. Rather, Jesus
0: was giving a model of prayer to follow. Remember last week we were talking about how people in that day prayed. Some people who were the religious elite prayed only in a way where they were noticed. It had nothing to do with God. Other people were praying in a way where they were just repeating all of these meaningless words in hopes that they would manipulate God or that God would do something for them. And Jesus is saying, look, I don't want you to pray this. This is a whole different prayer. And so he gives the Lord's prayer as a model. I love how John Stott puts it. He puts it this way. We can both use the prayer as it stands and also a model uh, for our own praying upon it. So yeah, you can say those words and mean those words. Or also Jesus is saying, use this model as a way to shape our prayers. And that's exactly what Jesus does here. We want to look at the two uh, parts of this prayer together to understand what it looks like. And so if I had to put the first two prompts in Jesus' prayer in a sentence, for us to remember, I would put it this way. Prayer
1: is both relational and reorienting. Yeah, so let's talk about that first one. Prayer is meant to be Relational, And first and foremost, it has to do with our relationship with God. I love what A.W. Tozer said. He said, uh, what comes into your mind when you first think about God is the most important thing about you. Mm. It's so true. And how we view God will determine how we approach God in prayer. Mm. And God wants us to be able to approach him, not just as some powerful, omniscient, faraway being. He wants us to be able to approach him as a father. That's why when Jesus is asked "How should, by the disciples, how should we pray? He says, pray this way and say, our father in heaven. See, God wants us to be able to come to him in that way as a, a loving, caring dad. Psalm 103 verse 13 says, The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. This is the kind of father he is. One thing I was really blessed with was having a dad that was very caring and tender and compassionate. He never raised his voice at me. I I never had to be afraid of him. And God is is the model father that wants us to also be able to approach him in that same way, have that same level of comfort. For some of you, when you hear that we have to call
0: God our father or or our dad, for some of you, that's a barrier. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry about that. I know many of you that are watching today, I know for you, uh, your dad was an angry person, a violent person, someone that you were afraid of, Someone that you didn't want to rock the boat with because you knew you were going to get it if Hmm. you did that. And to have to look at God in that way. Your picture of dad is like that. Someone who you don't want to approach because you don't know what mood he's going to be in. Hmm. Others of you, you don't know your dad. Maybe he left at an early age. Or even if he was there, he wasn't there. Hmm. And so you look at God as a father, as an absent father, that he doesn't really care about you. Again, I want to say I'm so sorry if if that's your life and if that's a barrier for you when it comes to prayer. But God is more sorry. He feels for you. He understands that there are many of his children out there that didn't have a good dad growing up. That's why in Psalm 68, verse 5, God said he's a father the fatherless if you didn't have a good dad growing up god is looking at you today and saying
1: i want to be the dad that you never had jesus teaching here in the lord's prayer is showing us that it's so much about the relationship the relationship first and foremost with our father but it's also about our relationship with others that's why when jesus is asked the question he says Pray like this, pray our Father. It's meant to be a a communal thing where we together come before God and we don't just think about ourselves. There's a place to get alone and just Mm -hmm. talk to God about your own individual needs, Mm -hmm. but we should never only be coming uh, to God with only our needs. Uh, the, The Lord's prayer is less about me and more about we, that's why he goes on to pray, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. And so when we pray, we pray together. We pray our Father. It's meant to draw us together and to help our relationships grow as well. You know, our, relationship, our mission here at the chapel is to help people move one step closer to God and each other through Christ. It's all about these relationships. And so prayer is absolutely essential to the development and growth of those relationships. Prayer is is not so much just about getting something from God as it is about growing closer to God and other people. So prayer, it's relational. It's all about
0: having a relationship with our heavenly dad. And again, whether you've had a good dad or you haven't had a good dad, God is there to be a father to all of us, that he cares about you and wants that relationship with you. But it's not just relational. We said at the beginning, prayer is both relational, but also it is reorienting. What does it mean to be reorienting in our lives? Well, remember, when we look at God, he's not just a dad, but he's also a creator and a king. So when we pray, we see God as a father and God as a creator and king, and then we see ourselves in light of that. I love uh, the way that John Piper puts it In, in quoting that our father is in heaven. He says, first, God is a father to us. And second, he is infinitely above us and over all. He's in heaven His fatherhood corresponds to his readiness to meet our earthly needs. His heavenliness corresponds to his supreme right to be given worship and allegiance and obedience. This is why when Jesus teaches us to pray, he says this, when you pray, say our father in heaven, and then he says, hallowed be your name. Now let's be real for a moment when's the last time you used the word hollow in your everyday language? Like, have you used that with your family lately, the word hollow? Now, I'm not talking about the word hello. I'm not talking about the word hola. I'm not saying holla. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the word hollow. None of us use that word in our daily lives. I haven't seen you put that in a Twitter post or a a Facebook post lately. And yet, it's interesting. In the most important prayer recorded in scripture, the prayer that you know, the prayer that you can recite at any time of the day, we use that phrase, hollow. So what does it mean? What does the word hollow mean for everyday people like you and me? Hmm. Well, the technical word for hollow can be translated as the word holy, to be set apart, to make something the most important thing in our lives. I love the way that uh, author and theologian Tim Keller puts it. He says it this way, to hollow something means to treat something as sacred. It is to make something your ultimate concern or the supreme aim of your Mm -hmm. life. All of us have had to slow down lately Mm -hmm. and really think differently about life. We are in an unprecedented time like never before. If I were to ask you now as a people group who had to really look at life differently if I ask you what's the most important thing in your life what's sacred what's holy what's hallowed in your life what would you say
1: hmm.
0: we have time to reflect on that now and I've been reflecting on that in light of what's happening and for me as a pastor at the chapel I wish I could say God is the most important thing in my life, that I reorient my life to who he is. But he's not. He's not the supreme being and the supreme value of my life. How do I know that? Well, just like your jobs have changed and your lives have changed, so has mine. And I don't get to come and teach anymore like I used to. I don't get to— be with people like I used to. I don't get to go to the hospitals and perform many funerals and weddings like I used to. And having to stop and really look at life differently has shown me how much worth and value I actually put in my job. Probably too much. That I reoriented everything around my job and when that changed, it really brought out some things in me that I didn't like. Without knowing it, I've been hollowing my job above God. And everything in my life has flowed from that. For you, as you've had to pause and really reflect on what's going on in your life, let me ask you, what is sacred in your life? What is the most important thing in your life? What is holy and hollowed in your life? What is the thing that is, you find your ultimate worth in? If it's not God, is it your job? Is it your family, friendships, your finances, school, whatever it is? We have an opportunity now to reorient ourselves, to look at God and say, God, I want you to be the most important thing in my life. I want to hollow your name. I want you to be on the throne of my life because you're in heaven and I am not, and I want my whole life to reflect that. That's
1: right. This coronavirus pandemic really becomes a reset button for us. Maybe, maybe this extra time being kind of locked down is actually a gift. A gift for us to kind of reprioritize, like Eric was saying. I've heard of so many people, even recently, that uh, have started, one person started reading the Bible for the very first time and, and really digging into it. I've heard of families that for the very first time they're sitting around God's word together and having family devotions, or I've, I've seen so many people tuning in on a daily basis to our daily chair time videos, where we've been walking through the book of James and soon we'll be walking through uh, some of the Psalms and it's enriching people's spiritual lives, helping all of us reset, reprioritize. I love what Tim Keller says. He says, prayer reorients, your view and vision of everything that prayer brings a new perspective because it puts god back into the picture so with these first couple of sentences in the lord's prayer we we are reminded again that prayer is truly meant to be both uh, about relationships Mm -hmm. and it's also meant to be reorienting so we want to just Ask a few questions as we close this time that might help us apply this to our everyday lives. I want you to ask the question, how do I view God?
0: That is the most important thing when it comes to not just your life, but your prayer life. Hmm. Do I view, view God as a task master? Do I view God as a distant supreme being? who put the world in place and now he just has taken his place in heaven and doesn't care about my everyday life? Or do you see him as your dad? Even if you had a a, a bad relationship or a, a weird relationship with your dad, is he now your father? He promises to be the father to the fatherless. And some of you are out there saying, I don't know how I can really know for sure How do I get to the point where I'm relating to God, not as a task master, not as a distant being, but as a dad who wants us as his children to approach him about anything and everything? I love uh, what Jesus says in, in, in the Gospel of John, and he answers this question. How do we have a relationship with our heavenly dad? And he puts it this way. To all who believed him and accepted him, He gave the right to become children of God. Jesus isn't saying that all of us are technically children of God right away. We're his creation, but we're not intimately connected to the Father yet. Jesus says the way you do that is to believe and accept what Christ has done for us. When we know what Jesus has done for us on the cross and in the resurrection— and we make him the supreme being in our lives, the most important thing in our lives, when we accept him and we put our whole life into who he is and what he says about us, then we have the right to have that relationship with the heavenly dad. So if you do have that relationship with him, remember Mm -hmm. that he relates to you on a very intimate level. And if you don't, maybe for the first time ever, you can ask him to be your dad through a Jesus
1: has done for you. That's right. Take that step. And part of prayer, we said, is about our relationship with God, but it's also about our relationship with others. That prayer is really not just about me, but it is about we. So maybe another question we could be asking ourselves is how can I begin praying the Lord's Prayer, not just for myself, but for the other people in my life, whether that's my family or maybe a friend or neighbor that doesn't have a relationship with God or, or uh, the people in my small group, what would happen if we be, began praying uh, our father in heaven, how would be your name. May God may my friend that doesn't know you yet. May he discover that y- you are more than just a distant far off God that is to be uh, worshiped but you are a loving dad. Help him be able to relate to you in that way, to discover what a real relationship with God can be like through a relationship with Jesus. Or or maybe it's praying for the people in your small group. Even while we can't meet physically together, we can pray, oh, Father, be close to them in a way that we can't be close to each other right now. Only God can do that, and that happens as we pray to the father together. Finally, I want to quote
0: Tim Keller in this last reflection question. I want you to ask yourself, how can I invite God back into the picture of my life? Now, many of us think God is in the picture. But when we stop and we look at what we're hollowing, what's really the supreme worth in our lives, we recognize that that God isn't there that something else is there. And we want to bring God back in the picture so that he has the final say in all the different areas of my life. So what would it look like to invite God back in the picture and allow him to be the king over all the things in our lives? For you, maybe you're a parent, and if you're like me, I I quickly forget that my children aren't mine first, they're God's first. And sometimes I parent in a way that doesn't bring God into the picture. How could I parent in a different way when my kids interact with me? They don't just see their earthly dad. They actually see the love and the compassion of their heavenly dad. Maybe for you, for your finances, you've been living in such a way where you've had to uh, have control of those things. And of course now, with the world being out of control, you want somebody bigger than yourselves to call the shots. What would it look like for you to invite God back in the picture so he has the final say in what you do with what you have. Or maybe it's with your spouse. When's the last time you invited God back into the picture of your marriage? I love what Ephesians says about in marriages, that our marriages should reflect God's relationship with the church. Husbands and wives, does your marriage look that way? It's time to invite God back into the picture. It's time to reorient ourselves around
1: who he is so we can be who he wants us to be prayer. It is meant to be both relational and reorienting. You know, these words are not just words. It's not just a prayer to have memorized and to recite. It's a prayer for everyday life. It's the way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And it's the way that he's inviting us also, to pray, to pray together our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Would you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you that you are a father, a tender and compassionate father that welcomes us into his presence. God, thank you that we don't have to pretend or perform before you. And God, I thank you that you are our father, that together as your church and as people we can come together and seek your face and invite you into every arena of our lives. And we pray that you would deepen our relationship with you and with each other. Mm -hmm. And God, I also pray that you would help us to daily surrender our lives, that we would let you back into the picture and that with your leadership we would reorient to what is the most important. God, thank you. Thank you that you meet us in the midst of your truth and your word. And I pray that you would help us to live lives of prayer. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for being with us this weekend. We look forward to continuing our series, 20 Seconds. Lord, teach us to pray.